0: Welcome to Unraveled podcast. I'm Bridget. And I'm Mackenzie. This is the place where we unravel all the things on our hearts. Laughter, tears, and real talk are all invited. Here we go. Well, Lisa, welcome back to Unraveled. Thank you so much for coming back. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. I cannot believe it's been an entire year, but here we are back talking about Thanksgiving and Christmas and all the exciting, stressful
1: things. Well,
0: wow. we couldn't think of a better person to talk to about just basically like how do we tackle the the stress and the excitement of the holidays coming up and just giving our listeners – you're really good about this. Right before you came on, Ken's and I were saying how much we love how you give such practical tips to people on your social media, on your own podcast. Um so maybe you could just jump in and share a little bit if someone missed our first po- podcast with you, kind of like who are you and and what are, what are you about and um, yeah, and a little bit about you. Sure. Well, even if you were, if you did listen to the first podcast, quite a bit
1: has changed. So last year at this time, I had just started my account, which is The Catholic Therapist. Um, so obviously my name is Lisa and I am in Cleveland, Ohio, and I'm a licensed professional counselor. And- Um, I just welcomed my second child, my daughter, Anna, in January. And Mm -hmm. I came back to work after maternity leave. And I was working for about two months uh, in therapy before I decided to leave my therapy job. Um, And I'm semi stay-at-home mom, but I also do still quite a bit of coaching. And I Mm -hmm. love to stay active on social media in in many ways or do speaking and things like that. So Mm -hmm. I'm not totally stepping back, but a lot of life uh, situations have changed, obviously. But um, yeah, so one of the things that we had touched on last time was sort of like how to handle family, essentially, like how to handle the stress Mm -hmm. that comes with holidays. And I think Mm -hmm. it's so important to talk about the practical things because we're really inundated, and this is a good thing, but we're inundated with a lot of Advent preparation Mm-hmm. That rightly so is is focused on centering yourself around Christ and building a good spiritual foundation, really preparing yourself, your soul, your family, your home. But so much um, can be focused on that when we have to remember too that you know, our domestic church um, is the number one most critical thing. Mm-hmm. And when we allow stress or when stress threatens externally our internal peace and that very domestic, um church foundation well now we have a now we have a problem and it's really hard to focus on preparing your heart for advent when mm-hmm. you know you're worried about family logistics and now I thought that last year was complicated goodness like this year I feel like mm-hmm. it's even more so and I think a lot of people are seeing people for the first time or mm-hmm. maybe their Thanksgiving looks very different um, for you know different reasons and I think that this could apply to Christmas too, but yeah, there's just so much to talk about because mm-hmm. we got to get to the practical things because a lot of people kind of feel out of control this year mm-hmm. and feel mm-hmm. like, well, Thanksgiving or whatever their plans are, it's something we have to do. It's an obligation. So I don't want it to always be like that. So I, I do want to talk about some practical ways that you can actually, I and I reshared a post that I shared last year at this time. If your mindset is getting through the holidays, you kind of already lost because Mm -hmm. we're really missing and that hopefully my message is clear towards the end of this that I don't want you to just get through it I don't want you to just have okay like you know here's some breathing exercises so you don't just like blow your top off by the (laughs) end of dinner but really like I'd love you to enjoy your meal like I'd Mm -hmm. love you to have a wonderful conversation with someone it may not be you know the happiest day of your life but like, gosh, there could be so much goodness in every event and every day in our lives and Thanksgiving and Christmas and everything associated, you know, doesn't have to be an exception. Wow. That's beautiful.
2: I love that. I think it's really, really, you said it harder this year. We thought it was so crazy last year and it's only gotten more difficult um, with obviously we don't even need to get into it, but the state of our country, um, different people's like making different choices than you. And just, you said it, family seeing each other for the first time. Um, Colin's family is coming to our house for Thanksgiving and we're really excited, but we haven't seen some of of them for two and a half years, Lisa. So, um, I can totally attest to that. Um, but yeah, what, what's like the number one thing, I guess in prayer that people can be doing, um, leading up to these big events, because they are huge events. And we don't want them to be like, oh, here's that crazy Thanksgiving again. You know, sure. we want it to be like an exciting, peaceful, and perhaps an even like life changing time. Mm-hmm. You sure. know?
1: I think it's really important to prepare your heart. And I know that that sounds like really generic and really vague, even though I just said talked about being practical. But um, I mean, like on your car ride there on your plane ride the night before whatever mm-hmm. you're doing, whether you are single and you do it with yourself um, really intentionally grab a holy hour um, or even choose a friend or family member that you feel like is could be like you're kind of like your partner in in that experience um, or it's your spouse and your kids and having that i can't tell you how many car rides to places that we've had where we have that conversation okay before we go in what can we identify as something that could possibly be stressful Mm -hmm. how do we stay on the same team? And usually that looks like, especially if you've got little ones, usually it looks like giving them warnings. Like for example, um, you know, all the parenting psychologists will always say that to have conversations, like when you get to the park with your kids, tell them what they can and can't do ahead of time, like to kind of give them the expectation um, and let them know like what the parameters are. And we can do the same thing with like our family unit. So you know, again, whether it's if, if you're just a couple or you're a dating couple or you're single and you have like that close family member or with your kids, like having like a mission plan, a mission statement or a game plan. Okay. We're going in, like, how can we pray for each other? How can we pray for the people we're about to be with? Um, in the same way that like, look at how we prepare for like sports games, you know, in the locker room, those, those tactics are useful because it gets everyone on the same page. If it, it It shows like everyone's unified and on the same team so that ideally we want to be on the same team as everyone that we're with in our family, but that's probably not going to be realistic for most people. So making sure that at least your intimate circle is on the same page and knowing that if you have to set boundaries with time limits or conversation topics or whatever the case is, that at least you guys are unified so that when you leave, you
0: can at least be unified and being like, whew, okay.
1: (laughs) <laughs> you know, we got, we got through it, right? We hopefully it. enjoyed it a little. Oh,
0: mm-hmm. that's awesome! That's such great advice, Lisa. Um, I guess another thing that's been on my mind too to ask you, and maybe maybe some other listeners uh, may relate. Um. What do you kind of do if you've had experiences in the past, let's say, that are um, they almost like leading up to seeing certain family members, certain groups, you're wondering to yourself, like, is this going to happen again? Is this conversation going to come up with them again? It really Mm -hmm. caused me a lot of stress. Last time we talked about this, I love this person. I would rather be talking about something else than this. But like that anxiety leading up to like, what if they just want to talk to me about this? Or what if they confront me about this? I think sometimes, and you kind of said it before, we can almost lose before we even arrive because we're almost giving like uh, this person or or um, this event, um, we're already going to worst case. We're already thinking like, someone's going to bring this up and it's going to make it awkward for Johnny and I or something like that. How do we kind of like change our thought patterns to think the best of others and to hope for the best, even if those things do come up? Like, is there anything we can do ahead of time um, to kind of like reorder those thoughts?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Probably see a therapist for a couple years weekly <laughs> and focus on reprocessing your thought. No, I'm just kidding. But you can, oh my goodness, Jeez. you're so right. Because what a you're listing is uh, one of many cognitive distortions. Cognitive mm-hmm. distortions are exactly how they sound. It's faulty ways of thinking. And you know, some of them mm-hmm. like obviously like the lens by which we view through which we view our lives are all based on our own experiences. Mm-hmm. So whatever your personal experience, which even if you had a twin, like when you look at like twin studies, for example, that have like very similar environments and very, you know, the same family and go to the same school, like their lenses are still different because your individual experiences are unique. And then the way that you perceive them and then channel them through into your thoughts and then your behaviors are all very unique. So Mm -hmm. one, be aware that you could have cognitive distortions and be aware mm-hmm. that those distortions, it doesn't mean like you're wrong, you're stupid, like that's a dumb thought, because understandably, like just by sheer, you know, um, statistical likelihood, like, it's like throwing a, um, you know, a, a dart at a really, really large wall, like you're going to hit something that ends up being true, right? Like you might have mm-hmm. 10 worries, and chances are one of them might come true. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But really asking yourself, number one, like, how realistic is this? How accurate is this? Is it based in fact? Um, Is it based in history? So for example, if Mm -hmm. every single time you see Uncle Al, he talks about this one topic every single time, well, then it's reasonable to expect that he's going to talk about it, you know, Mm -hmm. again. But if you had one really uncomfortable conversation with, you know, a group of cousins, and you're really worried, like that was so terrible. I'm really worried that that's going to happen again. And by the way, like I have no idea what Bridget's example is. So if mm-hmm. I like, I'm coming no, these like are all suspiciously close, I, <laughs> but um, yeah. So it, it's normal to, to think like this could happen again, you know, and, and produce that anxiety in you. So then ask yourself, okay, not exalt, not all anxiety is bad, right? <clears throat> anxiety is, should be a way. Of telling us, alerting us of something wrong. It's like the reason that we feel pain. It helps us to remove our hand from that burning stove. So, number one, just kind of notice it non judgmentally. Like, I am nervous, I'm stressed. And then take the first step and say, okay, that was a really uncomfortable and distressing conversation that we had that I'm thinking about. It's normal for my body and for my thoughts to kind of be uncomfortable around that topic? Because it was an uncomfortable situation. It was a distressing situation. Mm -hmm. But is it normal for me to be worried and distressed about the possibility, the potential of this happening in the future? Um, And there's a whole line of thinking that you can really kind of go through with yourself and with whoever you're with to kind of have as like a sounding board. Um, But ideally, you want to know how A, realistic that thought is, and be how helpful it is. Because mm-hmm. Bridget, you could say, okay, I've had this, you know, really uncomfortable conversation. I know that this is sort of a con. I know that the way I respond to it is I'm just not in a place to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So because of that, this is, that's a great thing. Your anxiety can be, if kept at bay, your anxiety can be helpful in that you can now prepare right? Like you and Johnny now could say like, okay, now we have like X, X, Y, Z lines that we could Mm -hmm. say. um, And then we could back the other person up by just saying, you know, I'm so happy to be together with everyone for Thanksgiving. Like, let's just not talk about that. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I don't think I'm ready to like, let's get lunch one day. So we could talk about it Mm, one-on-one whatever, you know, that kind of conversation. There are some topics we might be, nah, please don't talk about it ever. Thanks. (laughs) But there might be some things where it's (laughs) like, right, (laughs) There might be some things where it's like, um, let me think it's Thanksgiving, you know, we've got kids here, you know, I don't know that this is like, I just want to have fun. I want to play games. Yeah. Um, I hope that that kind of gives a little surface level.
0: No, that, that was perfect. And I think all of those scenarios were so different that it just, I mean, it makes me think that like, like you and Ken said, it's been such a hard two years that I think a lot of people are building up this Thanksgiving in their, in their minds because, you know, we, we've seen some family members, but then we haven't seen others. And so, um, whether there is no, there's no issues at all, or there are some, I think it's just like, um, It's been a while since we've had like a normal Thanksgiving, and I'm not saying that this one will be 100% normal, but I think just going into it, like having these tools is so helpful. God, I'm
1: so glad.
2: And Lisa, it's so, it's so interesting because everything you're saying to both of us, it's it's like all these like memories are popping up. Like, I'm sure, you know, you're doing this to us as you speak. <laughs> and one of the things I, that always I'm reminded of, unfortunately, because I'm a sinner and, you know, we all have pride and, you know, we go into these situations kind of with expectations or like wanting to control mm-hmm. the narrative. I I struggle with that or I used to really like struggle to control conversation just so that everything would look how I wanted it to, or, you know, I could look like I wanted to, you know, and however the conversation was going, it would be safe and good and everything would be happy. But the thing I realized time and again, as I work myself up, like B and you both were saying, and sometimes I notice that once I'm in the space, it's so much better than mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what I had imagined all along and mm-hmm. I wonder what that's called Lisa like if you know like a term or something because I've done that where I get in my monkey mind and I create these scenarios these stories mm-hmm. and then I see mm-hmm. the person and all I feel is love and thank God because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that obviously is a gift from the Holy Spirit that is not me um, because we're not Mother Teresa natu- I'm not Mother Teresa naturally I don't look at someone and immediately only see the good qualities I I struggle and I see you know the times that have hurt me or you know, I I can hold on to old wounds and I'm getting better. But I think just remembering like, hey, let's just wait and (laughs) and expect little and in these events or this next meeting or whatever it is and, and hope for the best, but also just be ready to love and pray for that. Right?
1: Like, what is that called? I I think it's called being human because what you're describing is, hey, once I actually am in the flesh with someone, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to see their qualities. And what does that tell you about yeah. how we've spent time connecting with other humans virtually mm-hmm. this last two Ooh, years? Yes, yeah. exactly. It's like, wow, wait a second. I actually wouldn't say 90% of the things that I was thinking yeah. in person. And <laughs> right. vice versa, too. Them, too. I mean, there might be right. people where you're like, gosh, the way that you know they mouth off on Facebook, I really am not looking forward to sitting across from them. But right. in person, all of a sudden, like, they see that you're a human. You see that they're a human. You see each other interacting with other family members or with children. And it's like, wait a second, these people have lives and jobs. And so do I, they recognize that. Like I have, you know, lives and vocations that are totally outside of what they see in the social media bubble. And all of a sudden it's like, I mean, wow. It's like you said, it's, it's so much easier to, you know, see that, that humanness. And I would even go so far as to say, not to lower your expectations, but just to have no expectations because mm. so often we think we either go in with super high expectations, like this is going to be great. We're going to be right. positive. Mm-hmm. It's going to be amazing. We're all going to get along. I've got these games planned. I've got my boundary, you know, slogan <laughs> set and, and we're ready to I'm go. ready to win. <laughs> yeah. Right. But then, or like I've got, some people are like, I've got my facts. I've got my information ready. Oh gosh. Or right. vice versa. And your, you know, expectations are so low where it's like, I mean, I'll be happy if I just get like a nice you know, piece of cornbread and, you know, sit by a fire, um, <laughs> which, you know what, we could see the That's blessing nice. and everything, right? Yeah, it sounds wonderful. Um, <laughs> Where are my introverts at? <laughs> exactly. Right. But when we have no expectations, it allows us not to look to fulfill our negative expectations, and it allows us not mm-hmm. to pop the bubble of our high expectations because wow. if you go in oh, and you're just really furious at uncle Al and you've had these conversations with him and you've won every time in your head while you're showering and you're just ready to go. Like you might jump at any small thing that he might say yeah, um, because you've been right. kind of building it up in your head, rightly so. But what we want to do is we want to build up the opposite. We want to build up that sort of neutrality, that openness right. to the experience because you can't perceive and process that experience, that event until you're in the car on the way home. But like, we're trying to do it ahead of time. We're trying to control and we can't do that. And it's robbing us of sitting around that table and looking at each other, human
0: to human. That's so good. That is control. I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, And I just, I love everything that you're saying because it's so true that if we, just can almost have zero expectation, then we're almost pleasantly surprised every time because Mm, we didn't have any narrative built up. There was no script. And um, I recently said this to a friend of mine about uh, this retreat I'm going on. And it's like a pretty deep healing retreat. And I said to her, I was like, you know, I'm kind of scared. Like, I'm kind of like, I don't know what's going to come out of me. And I'm in like, definitely a more like, emotional state than I normally am just because of things that have happened to me this year. And so I was telling her, I'm like, I just feel like I'm just like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I was just imagining myself being like a puddle of tears, possibly this entire weekend. And she said, you know what, Bridget, you can't have any expectation at all. Like you said, yes to this retreat. You just need to show up and let the Holy spirit work and let God work and stop trying to like already retreat before you're retreating. Like Mm -hmm. just wait till you get there and see what the Lord has for you there. Oh, I love that.
1: It puts into perspective. It truly does to allow us to be, experiencing whatever I mean like God is in the present moment with us and he has so much to offer us in that moment but like we're always so busy in the future or in the past Mm -hmm. and that's what depression and anxiety are and he wants us to be unstuck from that cycle um yeah so badly
2: and Bishop Barron talks about that I've spoken about it on the podcast how in conversation um the prideful person the the one who um is not in the moment is thinking about what they're going to say next, right? Or thinking about past wounds and just isn't in the moment. And then you see a group of people who are laughing and just joyful and not thinking before they speak, but just totally living in the moment. Those are the times where you feel so alive, right? Mm -hmm. And free. And that's like the beauty of the church. It's like here now, this moment. And wouldn't it be amazing if we lived that way ah twenty four seven. I would love well, that. My life would yeah. be changed. So
1: it's a yeah. lot easier to to chew on the moment as opposed to trying to like bite off, you know what happened yesterday, wounds mm. that would happen years ago. Um, and I'm not saying like you need to get over things or anything like that, but you know, having allowing like the way that we process our experiences, have a very specific time and place and honoring that. Um, but also, you know, not getting stuck um, in them or, you know, hyper-focused in the future. Yeah, because that's that's where he is. And I'm actually reading. It's funny that um, this is our topic because I just restarted. Alex DeRose, I'm sure you guys know her.
0: Yeah, She's just such a wonderful...
1: Oh yeah, that's right. She's such a wonderful presence on Instagram and I just learned so much. And she... Actually, we we're talking one on one, and I'm like, I need peace. Like, I think that's all I told her. I'm like, I don't know what's going on in this world. This is probably six months ago, and she said she recommended the book "Searching for and Maintaining Peace." Yeah, um, which is another. Is it? Yeah, Have you guys yeah, talked yeah. about it? Am I yeah, like just yeah, yeah. No, completely blanking? We love
2: talking about it. Keep going. Don't. <laughs> oh worry. my
1: gosh. Well, my favorite line is like when you're, especially, and I noticed this before I even read it because it's in like the table of contents. But one of the chapters is. Um, the reasons why we lose our peace are always bad reasons. And it's mm-hmm. true. They might be valid reasons. Um, they might be understandable reasons, but they're typically bad. Re- like not typically, yeah. they're always bad reasons because it's not to say every time you're anxious, it's bad or you're bad. It just means that if it's causing you to lose your peace, that's a big deal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We cannot live without peace. Like We cannot live. We're not meant to live in that constant state of mm-hmm. Like hyperarousal. In fact, like that's kind of what I wanted to give practically to everyone was talking about like what that hyperarousal is and what Mm -hmm. that does to our body and then how to kind of remedy it in like really specific and practical physical ways. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I know I made the joke in the beginning like go to therapy once a week for three years, but that's obviously not possible. And Bridget, you and I were just talking about the fact that it's really hard to find a therapist, let alone a Catholic therapist. Um, Everyone's so full or, Going on everyone's trying to talk and- to you
0: guys. They're like <laughs> everyone's booked. And I think too, it's like people are trying to find uh, therapists that have faith. I think that is also a, a situation mm-hmm. because um, you know, just full disclosure, I was telling Lisa before this, like, I, I am seeking out therapy and I, I have no shame in being like, Hey, this is a season where I definitely need it. I mean, Um, you know, the multiple losses has, have caused kind of anxiety to creep up just like when hard things happen to anyone. I feel like you start to kind of think like, okay, are hard things just like do for me? Like, is this just going to continue to happen? Um, but what I knew I didn't want to do was find someone, just any old therapist, because I mean, I'm sure that there are incredible ones that, that aren't labeled Catholic, but for me, I just love the idea and, and. I hope that I can find this. And if not, I will seek someone else. But it would just be so beautiful. Like, Lisa, you do such a great job of intertwining psychology with the beauty of our faith, you know, because the beauty of our faith also talks about how there is um, good in suffering. It's not, we're not meant to suffer all the time, but there is like this silver lining that we can look to um, that our faith encourages us to look to. And I think that that plays beautifully with the practicality of psychology. So uh, it's so tough to find, but, but I hope yeah. that anyone listening who's looking can, can find someone who's good.
1: Yes, please look. And I also have some resources, too, on my page that talks about, like, whether or not you have to have a Catholic therapist, and I very much understand why people do, or at least a Christian therapist, um, because there are big foundational, um, I think, beliefs and just overall understandings and awareness and acceptance that comes with um, having someone who believes. And that, you know, has to do with respect of your decisions, your life decisions, your family makeup, all that kind of thing. And I think that that's really important, um, especially when you're processing like things like loss, Bridget, and like how big those things are. And when you really want to have someone that's going to companion you, you know, on a supernatural level Mm -hmm. and not just based on like, well, here are some things that you can do, some breathing exercises, like I've mentioned, and I have nothing against breathing. I'm going to give you some breathing exercises too, but it just means that I'm, you know, when you're processing grief or loss or marriage issues and all these things that, they have such a supernatural layer to them Mm -hmm. that it's so important to have someone that is at least open and understanding and willing to explore those with you, you know, without that kind of bias, but you don't have to obviously sometimes it's important just to sort of stabilize. But yeah, I, I am praying, I'm telling students, if you're interested in psychology whatsoever, or if you're in counseling or you didn't know that you could be like a Christian or a Catholic therapist, the answer is yes. The answer is always yes. And Please reach out to me because I'm just I'm always trying to get new people to join the field and
0: you know have their, their Catholic imprint on it. Awesome. Um, so well, hopefully was saying before this, Lisa, about the hyper arousal, because Ken's and I joke actually a ton about how like when we're doing a million things, we're like, oh, we're probably addicted to our stress hormone or something because we yeah. add all these things on our plate. Can you talk <laughs> about that a little bit? Yeah. It's how you function.
1: It's how you thrive. It's like your body's homeostasis or what it feels like. So I wanted to talk about the vagus nerve and I've touched on this a little bit, but the vagus nerve for anyone that doesn't know, um, is essentially like the nerve that connects all the way from our head, um, through like our GI system, um, essentially through our body sending messages. It's a two way street. So messages get sent from your brain to your body, but also from your body to your brain. Um, And it's essentially like that, that communication. Um, So if you've ever had like butterflies or even worse, if you've like thrown up because you were nervous, or if you received bad news, you had to like run to the bathroom. So the vagal nerve is like where we get those somatic symptoms, which are symptoms that are not physiologically caused by like an underlying disease, but rather they're real symptoms, but they're caused by our mind. And I don't mean like it's all in your head. You definitely are feeling them. Um, you know, but in general, like they're, they're not caused by something that's like a chronic or acute, um, physiological illness or issue. So vagal tone, if you think about like muscle tone, your vagal tone, your vagus nerve, and I'm going to talk about like the two different kind of processes, the two different responses, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic responses within the vagus system. And it's our vagus nerve is like a muscle that needs to be toned. So it functions best when you sort of work it. So we're constantly like kind of going back and forth between these systems, um, between the parasympathetic nervous response, which is um, our calm, we are safe. um, It's our rest and digest state. Many of you might be like, gosh, I haven't been in the parasympathetic nervous system in a while. Um, And that counteracts the sympathetic nervous system. So if you think about it, they're both sympathetic the parasympathetic is the good one. Think pears are delicious. Pears are good. Parasympathetic nervous response is the rest and digest. Sympathetic nervous response, that's when our cortisol shoots up. That's what you're talking about. Mm. Adrenaline starts pumping. It's our fight, flight, or freeze. Um, And so neither one of these are good or bad. Obviously one looks a lot more enjoyable, but obviously we need the sympathetic nervous response. sympathetic nervous response is what helps us to act. Like Mm. it helps to give us that cortisol to think more clearly and kind of hyper focus. Right. Because if, you know, you realize that like, wait a second, like you're in the mall, a busy mall and your child's missing, you're going to get hyper focus. You're going to, your, your, your senses are going to be hyper aware. You're like Spider-Man. Um, and that's good. Like, it's like the mother lifting a car off of her child scenario. Um, those things can help us to attack whatever situation is being thrown at us. The issue typically is that you're in a sympathetic nervous response when you're not in danger. There's nothing for you to even do. So I'll kind of touch on that. Like what happens then when our cortisol is shooting up, our adrenaline's pumping, we're in fight, flight, or freeze, but we have nowhere to process all of that energy. So that's when we want to focus on our vagal tone, which our vagal tone is the ability to kind of work back and forth between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. So we're constantly doing it, whether we realize it or not, we're constantly going between those. It's like, if someone jumps out at you from the hallway and you're like, (gasps) you kind of, for a second, go back into the sympathetic nervous system and then over time you kind of calm down. Or if you get really close to getting into a car accident, like it's bad enough that it makes you have to kind of pull over and catch your breath. You're like, Oh my goodness, that was a close call. That's you kind of calming yourself going back and forth in between the sympathetic response and the parasympathetic response. So we need to practice and kind of flex that muscle going back and forth and recognize when we are in that sympathetic nervous system. Mm. So it's common, especially um, under chronic stress to have, for example, terrible breathing tendencies. Like we breathe very shallow um, or we don't even realize that you actually hold your breath pretty often. So I'm going to give you some examples, if that's okay, and stop me if you have any questions or I'm talking too much. Um, But the kind of like stimulate the vagus nerve and create a stronger vagal tone. So I want you to think about that word stimulate, like these are going to be things that are stimulating your vagus nerve that kind of help us to reset when we're stuck in the sympathetic. And we need to tell ourselves we're okay, we're safe, we can rest. So and this can yep. be
2: applied to anything, Lisa. Right? Like you're
1: talking. It could be anything. Like it just be... always
2: to practice this. Way. Correct. I'm do it safe. every day, I'm... all okay. day. Love it.
1: Reminding yourself so that when you are in the sympathetic nervous state and you should be, you're okay with it, and then you can mm-hmm. better utilize that and actually like um, leverage it. But that throughout the day, you can practice calming down, and it's this is something we should. I mean, do it with your kids because even breathing techniques. You know, I make my son. I say, okay, you got to regulate. So that when he's upset, I'm teaching him just to pause for a second because mm-hmm. I want him to have that tone where he can kind of go from back and forth, eat more easily because toddlers are like the epitome of sympathetic nervous. I mean, they, yeah. yeah, one minute they're like totally fine angels and the next minute they're like, nothing can be done. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's like, let's count to 10. Let's deep breathe. That's All fun. those things that are helpful just to kind of regulate us, which I think is really helpful for Thanksgiving, especially because it's coming up soon. Mm -hmm. Um, When it comes to like Christmas, for example, you could kind of have a little bit more spiritual or psychological preparation for things like, you know, the actual plans. But Thanksgiving, you probably know what you're doing. So when you kind of focus on creating that stronger vagal tone, breathing is a good one. Because if you think about how much oxygen, like how vital breathing is, like Mm-hmm. When people are, are passed out on the ground, the first thing that any paramedic, any helping professional does, they check their breathing because that's number one. That's vital. We, we want to make sure that you are getting enough oxygen throughout your body so that it can function properly. Um, and so when we are doing things like shallow breath or holding our breath, that's a symptom of sympathetic response. And we also have to remember that our vagus nerve communicates both ways. So not only can we communicate to our brain that we're safe, we can also imitate the parasympathetic response to tell our brain that we are safe as well, which is really interesting because it's kind of like fake it till you make it. So belly breathing, it's it's a really in, uh, an effective way to regulate and kind of ground. So our breathing should not cause our chest to rise really high and it should not be very quick or very fast. Our breathing should kind of be long and slow and concentrating on it, what's actually happening. So imagine like a balloon filling up your belly imagine your lungs being filled Um, and our belly shouldn't completely inflate like you would sense some discomfort there Um, but rather kind of like just a a balloon filling up our abdomen and then slowly letting the air out and being really concentrated on that and that's why when you're in like a sympathetic nervous response you're really stressed out someone just said something now remind you it doesn't have to be a car accident right it could be that like someone just said something that kind of set you off, that kind of triggered you and you notice your heart beating. You notice like you might start to get tearful. All those kind of responses that happen with interpersonal experiences. So we need to kind of fake it till we make it. We go to the bathroom or we could do this sitting at the table and no one would even know. And you slow and controlled breathe. Slow and controlled breathe. That kind of reduces our heart rate slowly. Helps regulate ourselves, which tells our brain hey, like Lisa's telling us that we're safe right now. Let's let our brain catch up to our body. Um, Mm -hmm. Does that make sense so far with breathing?
0: Oh my gosh, I'm like doing it right now. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, same. So like
1: Lisa, even
2: like, so obviously that can come up in any situation, right? Where I can feel it, just you talking about it. I see myself, maybe it's because my hormones are heightened like all women (laughs) at this time, but like, Even today at mass this morning, there was a baptism for an older lady and I just could not stop crying. Like it was just like, I was like sobbing. I don't, I don't even cry at my own child's baptism, but it was because it was an older woman getting baptized for the first time, but I couldn't control it. So in that, in that situation, (laughs) you're like, she needs therapy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Would you walk away? And I don't even care if people see me cry, but I'm saying like, is that when you take it to the breath, take it to the Mackenzie? It's okay. Sure. You know what I mean? Well, one,
1: I would say, you know, really kind of evaluate, like, is what you're doing really bad? Or are you just really feeling all the feels? And like, that's totally okay. Now I understand if you're like, oh, I'm starting to like actually cry with noises now. (laughs) Like I need to, yeah, calm down. Yeah. Yeah, So one of these, and I'll actually skip, I've got a little list, but one of these is called, it's so interesting. It makes me laugh, but I love like fun, practical advice like this. It's called the Valsalva maneuver. And the Valsalva maneuver. um, So your vagus nerve, comes into contact with your pelvic floor. And last year, maybe the year before, I was in a trauma training and I had never really heard of pelvic floor until like pregnancy. And, and that's typically like when a woman, usually when there's issues yes, that you kind of are even aware of like what your pelvic floor is. So it's kind of new to me, but this, this um, male trauma instructor starts talking about the fact that if your pelvic floor is completely relaxed, you cannot be in distress. And I was like, so of course, you know that everyone like is doing it without saying anything, but <laughs> yeah. like trying really hard. To like, of course. Yeah. So he's literally like, oh, you know, man or woman, you can do a kegel, for example, and just kind of sit and rest in that exhale and completely like he described it as melting into your seat. Wow. So sitting helps you to actually rest that pelvic floor for a second. And picture kind of like your bottom, like melting into your seat and really focus on all the muscles that are basically like where your thigh comes in contact with like below your hips. Um, so basically like where like your bikini would be, except imagine it being like a rectangle, like kind of fill in those gaps. So everything, um, like a bikini bottom type thing, your underwear, I don't know why I'm saying bikini like I'm, I think you guys are little kids, um, <laughs> But that whole area right there of muscles and joints would be your pelvic floor. It's kind of like what's holding up like our bladder, uterus, all those kinds of things. And when it's because your vagus nerve comes into direct contact with your pelvic floor, your vagus nerve cannot be in that sympathetic nervous state response when you are completely relaxed out there. So the Valsalva maneuver is what's interesting is that it's like bearing down almost like you're going to the bathroom. Right. Um, and it's filling your chest with air. So I want you to imagine that you were like taking an air and you're about to blow a balloon, but keeping your mouth closed and blowing against a closed mouth. So you're basically like, you should make a grunt. You, you can do it without making a grunt. So you could do it without anyone even knowing, but basically it's, I won't make the noise on a podcast. I just <laughs> did it. Okay. I feel you. <laughs> yeah. So you're basically like, you know, you're making that like, kind of noise, Um, by filling your chest and bearing down, and you should feel the pressure on your pelvic floor. And what's so cool about this, my favorite part is that paramedics, when someone is tachycardic, they will tell that patient to bear down, like a physical quick response that actually will slow down your heart rate. And it relaxes your pelvic floor, stimulates your vagal nerve, which helps you to kind of reset. So even if, like Kenzie, you're you're crying, you're in like a really aroused state. It's not to say that these, these tactics are going to immediately help you to feel better and resolve things, but it kind of helps you regulate for a second to get to a more, you know, that regulated neutral spot to then make a decision or have a conversation or, you know, live your life how you need to before you can kind of address it and, um, you know, like kind of process it. That's wild.
2: Because when I was crying at this beautiful thing, because it was a beautiful thing, really, then my daughter slams her head on the pew. Mm. And so I immediately am taken out of it. And it's just crazy to to all, to your point, how quickly you can go from one to the other, because you have to, you know, yeah. like a flight or fight. So and these that's are a great good,
1: tips. That's a good point that you have, because we do it all the time. Some people think this is really hard, but you actually probably do it all the time without realizing it. Like when you're Focus is broken because, you know, you maybe you were really focused on something, and then something else happens, and you realize at the end of the day, oh my goodness, actually this happened this morning, and I completely forgot about it, which is such a wonderful feeling. Sometimes it's kind of like a, the freedom to forget, um, mm. and kind of reset for a second, and have you know be in control of those reactions rather than vice versa. And another really really simple one um, would be like eye softening. So. Sometimes, you know, when we're in the sympathetic nervous state, we're zeroed in. We want to focus on, imagine like if you're hunting, like you want to focus in on your prey like a scope. But when we're so hyper-focused like that, if you've ever been in like deep thought and things are happening around you, um, like if something's bothering me, especially like if I'm cooking or I'm doing something and sometimes my husband Evan will be like, Lisa, Lisa, hello, hello. And the kids are crying and there's things going on. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I just cannot focus right now because of what this person said or something I just read. Like that's that hyper, hyper focus. And so eye softening, if you were to look somewhere around the room, wherever you are, except unless you're driving um, and look at one thing, pick a focal point, but focus your attention on everything else around it without moving your eye contact, soften your gaze so that you're not just staring directly down at that thing. So focus. Not on what you're exactly looking at, but I want you to like identify like five or six things that are in your peripheral vision. So when you do that, again, it's another way to physically tell yourself, communicate from the body to the brain, okay, you know, we can soften our gaze. We're not hyper-focused on something We're, we don't have this ultimate end, this immediate need right now. We can actually calm down and relax, which is a beautiful thing because therapy often, is our brain telling our body we're safe, which is really hard actually. And these are really practical ways to tell for our body to tell our brain, no, it's actually, no, we are safe. Like I'm proving it to you right now.
0: Like all of that was so practical. And I think that um, it's great to have these like truly practical tips that we can use even at the table when you were saying like, Oh, you can do this and no one will notice. <laughs> right. That is like amazing. <laughs> yeah.
1: I will give two really small ones again. Yes. Um, number one is yawning. Yawning has a really interesting physical, uh, physiological oh, response it actually, down. um, calms our nervous system down and dogs will yawn in packs like dogs will yawn and create this kind of, if you've ever noticed, um, your dog like before it gets to zoomies or after it gets to zoomies it'll just start yawning like four or five times in a row Uh but wolves in a pack used to yawn and like the the leader of the pack would yawn to get the others to yawn and this would help them all kind of calm down and regulate after they were on like a big hunt or something so yawning really helps and then the second thing would be rapid cold uh, change in temperatures particularly to cold so if you need to it's the perfect time depending on where you are it's freezing here just put your head out the window or open the car window or mm. stick your head in the freezer, um, you know, hold an ice cube or just take really deep cold breaths in, splash cold water in your face. Don't chug cold water because that could have the opposite effect. But in general, it's kind of like when all else is failing and I feel like I don't know what to say, I don't know how to think my way out of this, but I can breathe with my head in the freezer. I can pretend like I'm looking for something in the freezer. I can walk outside for a second and pretend to take a phone call. Like I can just, or you don't have to pretend anything. You could just go out because you deserve it.
0: Right. For just a little stroll.
1: Yeah, exactly. Just kind of take a deep breath. But yeah, these are all things that I use that I um, always
0: recommend to clients. And that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I was even going to joke, like sometimes it can it doesn't even need to be any of these big things. It can literally be like stress of like, what am I going to cook? Like, what are you guys going to cook? Because I'll be honest, like (laughs) even just the thought of what dish am I bringing is causing me stress. I won't go down that that (laughs) rabbit hole, but like, what are you guys cooking to just change the subject to something fun and light. And honestly, it will de-stress me to hear what you guys are doing.
1: <laughs> you can't because- ask me that question with Mackenzie because I she's know. always whipping very- up something like oh completely
0: homemade. Yeah. And I am
1: lucky if we don't DoorDash twice it's if- three times a week sometimes
2: honestly you guys grab a whole foods dish because or support a local business that's what one of my other friends who is a chef katie morton you know her b she is ordering from local chefs that she wants to support their small businesses that's amazing Like, like a side cranberry sauce or like brussels sprouts or whatever but yeah, that's really nice. But no, that's hilarious. Do wake up early?
0: Like, are, I'm not joking. Like, are you guys going to wake up early in order to like make this stuff early before people come? Or are you just kind of like a wing it type crowd? What are you gonna doing, Lisa? You, I'm going to make you really jealous. So the first thing that people ask when I
1: tell them how big our family is, I'm one of nine. It's oh, like we yes. doing Thanksgiving and Christmas. we died over your wedding video. Don't oh worry, yes, Lisa. Oh.
2: we were each other when you posted <laughs> we were your dead. family. The dad
1: alone, I uh, <laughs> so yes, deep. I know that gets I me know, every God. time. It was oh my goodness, I miss it. But so we actually, it, I'm normally like really, I get really sad because I'm the youngest. I get really upset when they try and like change traditions because I'm like, no, like I'm finally oh, the one having too. kids. Like don't do oh. that to us. But. A couple years ago, my dad um, decided that you know instead of hosting it, that we were going to go to. It's called, I won't say what it's called, but it's like this old fashioned, like sort of like cottage mansion, like an old um, mansion that's been renovated into like a B and B. And they've got this like really big open, like it's a bunch of little rooms. It's really historical, wow. and we usually eat kind of early at like eleven, and so they always offer. Um, hosting a Thanksgiving meal. And because we normally obviously don't want anyone like working on Thanksgiving if they don't need to. But um, the woman that typically runs it, like she loves it and she doesn't do Thanksgiving until the evening. So we've been for the last years, except last year, which was so that was like one of my hardest to miss it. But we go to this mansion and it's the first Thanksgiving that we actually could sit with our mom and enjoy food with her and everyone you know it's like the best food ever and it's like the one holiday that my mom and dad have finally gifted themselves to not have to cook for and it's nice because none of us have to worry about bringing things we everyone has in-laws that they go to but um, yeah that's been so wonderful and my mother-in-law and my mom they always say if you've got kids in diapers you don't have to worry about bringing a a dish or like you know you could bring the rolls or something like that that's awesome (laughs)
2: That's funny. <laughs> I'm making the turkey. Right. Ken's, Ken's, how oh my Are gosh. you cooking for? <laughs> I'm cooking. <laughs> I'm just dying at the um that that that's a really good rule. Um. There are eight of us adults, eight adults, and then um yeah,
0: is like I have two in diapers and I'm doing all the (laughs) cooking, and (laughs) you're hosting. I'm hosting, so I'm running
2: around like a chicken. What I really need is Bridget's skills for the house. Like you would be like decorating my house, sis. Like, I I need you as my neighbor because that's my downfall. I'm like, where the what the heck am I doing? Like, I can think of food, but it does it look pretty. We'll see. Um, it will. No, so I'm doing the turkey and I'm also getting a ham because I have to have both and I'll do some sourdough pies today actually after I get off with you guys and we'll do an apple crumble and a um, pecan and then I'll stick them in the freezer and then everyone's been really generous and sweet and like Kelly and Tim my in-laws are so generous bridge knows this they shipped up a um like Case of wine from Napa. So I'm like, oh, okay, we'll be Amazing. set. If we have wine, we got the wine. Fails, right? <laughs> <So you. laughs> the wine,
0: the pies, and the turkey. Yeah, that's it. all you
2: need. But oh, you know, you get the generic mashed potatoes, all you know,
0: the greens, all the things. But I oh. think you should make your Brussels sprouts. But
2: you love Brussels sprouts. I so
0: think, th- well, I think that I might do. My mom is hosting this year, and um, my in laws are actually coming to my family's house for awesome. the second time in a row. So that's been really fun to kind of like um, mix the families. My parents have like a tiny, it's like a really nice condo on the lake outside of Charlotte. It's so pretty. It's just very – it's quaint is the best word. So we're going to have it's – we're going to be like a big, happy, squeezed-in family, which will be great. Um, But we also have cousins from Tennessee coming in. So I do feel like pressure that I do need to bring some things with me. We will be staying at the O'Boyles because they have the bigger house. But we're going to be like driving to my mom's on Thanksgiving. So I'm probably going to do the bacon wrap dates. Oh, And then I should probably do Brussels too. Yeah. You have to do the Brussels. That's your thing. Uh, anyways, well. That sounds I so good.
1: Oh, I my heart is out to you guys that are either hosting or you have to travel.
0: Yeah, traveling like, is hard. Oh,
1: so hard, so hard.
0: I was just going to say we're actually p- – pray for us because we're driving seven hours and then we're actually going to stay in charlotte with my in-laws for two weeks this is the longest we have ever stayed um like i guess consecutively with the kids before but our house is going on the market and there's going to be showings so we heard from a lot of friends who had kids that it's best to just be out of the house so we're literally not coming back um and we're leaving tomorrow (gasps) oh b i had no
1: idea Crazy, yeah oh my gosh um, you must now have your decided. in-laws sound like they're wonderful but I'm sure a lot of listeners are like <laughs> they're in the sympathetic nervous state
0: imagining being too <laughs> so alone oh I am too I love my in-laws but we I mean like every human being we all, every have human. we all have different personalities they're probably like oh my gosh Bridget's coming and she's gonna tell us to be quiet at 7pm so the kids go to bed <laughs> and I'm probably thinking like everyone better be quiet so we got you know Right. it's just right. we all have our different things, and um. But I, I'm we're so grateful that they're letting us stay because oh, awesome. I, I am so done cleaning this house. Like after people come in, I'm like, <laughs> right. if I pick up another like dump of toys on this floor, I I never you gonna we're never going to sell, gonna sell say it. Something else. I'm so glad that it you completed the sentence. With,
2: <laughs>
1: another uh, of a different kind of dump.
2: <laughs> another dump of toys. Oh, I love it. This is such good advice, Lisa. And also, just for anyone who's listening. I think this is a great time and an opportunity for all of us to, you know, enjoy the season of um, what it is. It's, it's the holidays. It's supposed to be beautiful and fun and exciting. And um, a time where we get to gather and love on one another and serve one another and cherish um, being with people because time is, we never know when we'll see everyone again. Right. Mm. So I think that's what I've learned these last two years is, That every moment you get with others is a gift. So, thanks for all those tips, too.
1: Yeah, that was awesome. Absolutely. And take your, you know, always accept leftovers. Take your favorite dessert or your favorite side at the end of the night, no matter how it goes, and either by yourself, all comfy, cozy, or (sighs) with your spouse or with your kids, just reflect on what you're grateful for, what you're excited to be grateful for for next year, and just have a happy
0: Thanksgiving. Oh, so beautiful. beautiful. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to Unraveled Podcast. To stay a part of the conversation, follow us on Instagram at Unraveled Podcast or on Spotify at The Unraveled Podcast. Thanks for listening.